You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today, we have a guest speaker. So what I want to do, I want to read from our passage first. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. I'm going to read the passage first and pray. This is God's holy word. Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning. I thank you for this uh, opportunity you've given us to to read your word. And um, I pray that you would speak to us, that you give us... um, eyes to see your truth, ears to hear your words of truth, and God, that you, through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts to receive that truth and to be changed and shaped and molded by your word for your glory. I pray that you would speak through me. Give me true words that I might not speak of my own wisdom, but God, I would speak your words and pray that you would do this all for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to uh, look at the, the title today is Why Do We Pray? So why do we pray? If you have that note taker, we've got three main points. So that's what the one, the two, and the three with the blank lines are. And those are motive, model, and miracle. Don't worry, we'll come back and say those again. Uh, and then we've got some subpoints in point one. But I want to ask that question. If you, if you met somebody today that had never been to church... Right, never, never heard of praying, and they asked you, why, why do you pray? Or maybe it's, maybe it's not somebody that hasn't been to church, maybe just you were asked that question today. Why do we pray? What would you say? Is it to grow closer to God? Is it to, to have your prayers answered? Is it to, uh, to get the things that you want? Or maybe it's to align your heart and mind with uh, your heart, mind, and spirit with God. Maybe it's just a good way to start your day. Is that what you would say if somebody asked you, why, why do you pray? And then, how do you pray? If somebody wants to know, okay, why do you pray? Well, how, how do you pray? If that same person asked you, what would you say? And then how about if that person said, well, how do you know that God is answering these prayers? How could you show them? Well, hopefully today... We'll answer those questions. Um, I think our passage gives us the answers to that. And so we're going to look at this in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. 
And that first point we're going to look at is what we're going to call motive. So we're going to look at the motive or motivation for pray. Why do we pray? And if we look at our passage, I think there's at least three reasons, which is why we have the ABC. But I think, first of all, um, we see in our passage something that was assumed, but we pray because of duty. So point A, you can write duty. Kids, that's D-U-T-Y. Duty. Now, we don't see it explicitly here in the passage, but we need to know the context. So let me ask you, who, who's teaching? If you have a, a Bible like mine, you have a red-letter Bible, you'll see that it's red letters. So who, who's talking? It's, it's Jesus. Right? Jesus is teaching. And who is, he, who is he teaching? In Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13, Jesus is teaching mostly Jewish people. Well, what? What was unique about Jewish people, if you read historical accounts, the Jewish practice of daily prayer was prayed three times a day. Morning prayer at sunrise, afternoon prayer at the time of the evening sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem around 3 p.m., and then evening prayer at nightfall. And these three hours of prayer were the daily habit of every devout Jew. There's a show our family loves called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a great show. I hear some yes. Uh, what I love about The Chosen is they, they depict it. You see in the show, you see uh, as they're walking, maybe they're gathering fruit. And they say, blessed are you, O Lord, maker of the universe, who gives fruit from the vine, right? And they collect fruit. Or Jesus, when he's going to sleep, said, blessed are you, O Lord, king of the universe, who gives sleep to my eyes and rest to my body. And that was the way they were as, as Jewish people. They, they knew that they were to pray because it was commanded by God. Or maybe you can think of one of the, maybe most, maybe it's not the most, I don't want to rank them, but maybe you think of one of these familiar Sunday school lessons. So if you've been in Sunday school in the last two or three years, you probably know this story. If this is your first Sunday here, you've never been to church before, maybe you don't know this story, I'll give you just a little overview. But it was Daniel in the lion's den. You guys know that story, kids, right? So Daniel... Uh, was taken as a, as a young boy, he was taken into captivity into uh, Babylon from Jerusalem. He was a Jew taken into uh, exile. And he grew up in Babylon, and then now in the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he's in uh, what's the, the Medo-Persian Empire, and the king is King Darius. And there's some evil counselors there. There's some people there that, that don't like Daniel, right? They're jealous of Daniel, and they want Daniel uh, taken out. They want to get rid of Daniel. And so they come up with this scheme. And they get King Darius to create a law that if anybody prays to any other God or anybody else other than King Darius himself, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. Now, kids, that's not like a trip to the zoo where you get to go watch the lions and pet them and name them, right? This was death. This was, you were getting thrown into the den of lions so that they would eat you. Um, and so these people get this law created, and King Darius creates the law. Um, and I remember thinking, I'll, I'll tell you what the end of the story is, don't worry. But I remember thinking when I heard this story as a kid, like, what, what kind of law is that? Like, what kind of trap is that? Why didn't Daniel just not pray? Well, really? Right? Like, I heard stories of martyrs. I heard of Christians who uh, were killed when they uh, would not renounce their faith in Jesus. And I understood that because I, I saw, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. You can't renounce your faith, but praying. Like, why doesn't Daniel just not pray? 
And what happens in the story is Daniel gets caught praying. He gets thrown into the lion's den, but God protects him. He doesn't get eaten. Uh, and then those who trapped him get thrown into the lion's den. So, um, But why was that, why was that a, a, a law that was... Why was that a law that worked for Daniel? Why was that a law that trapped Daniel? And I think it's because Daniel and those leaders understood something that I think we've lost today in the church. And that is, as God's people, we are commanded to pray. It's not, it's not optional. It's not just like, oh yeah, if you're a really, really, really spiritual Christian, then you pray. No, God's People are commanded to pray. And I think that's the first, and assumed here in the text, the first motivation is that we are supposed to pray. It's our duty. So again, kids, if you're taking notes, it's uh, motivation is that big blank, number one, and then A is duty, D-U-T-Y. B, one B, second reason that we pray is desires. Now this might be obvious, but I think many of us are tempted as Christians to downplay this motive for our prayer. And I think here it's helpful to remember the context. So again, who's talking? It's Jesus. And who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to people who've seen him work. Now, in this passage, it's a little harder to see because Matthew, Matthew kind of picks some things that Jesus does and he doesn't necessarily write them in uh, chronological order. But if you read Luke, there's a parallel passage to this in Luke 11. Luke, at the beginning of his book, says that he sought to write an orderly account. And I think we, one assumption is that that is a, a more chronological account. And so when you see this prayer, it's in Luke 11. What's your point, Aaron? Well, there were things that Jesus did. This wasn't his first time on the scene. This wasn't his first teaching. People had seen Jesus perform miracles. People had seen Jesus uh, praying and they'd seen answers to his prayer and they heard how he prays and it's not like other Jewish prayers and so they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. We've seen your answers to prayer. We've seen miracles. And so they wanted to know how to pray so that they could have their prayers answered. I think many of us, in a noble effort to lift up the importance of prayer, over-spiritualize it, and we minimize this as one of the reasons to pray is to have your prayers answered. But in his explanation to his disciples about prayer, Jesus and his hearers, they're taking for granted this big reason to learn to pray is to have those prayers answered. James tells us in James 4 that we have not because we ask not. And now here in Matthew 6, if we just go a little bit farther to Matthew 7... We see that Jesus teaches his disciples that God is a loving father who gives good gifts to his children who ask him. Why? God loves to give gifts because he loves us. Because he is a father who loves us and wants to give good gifts to his children who ask him. So we ask him, trusting that he's a good father who will give good gifts to us. And also, I think we ask because it shows him to be God. When we ask, it shows that we don't have the power to answer that prayer for ourselves. This reminds me of one of my most embarrassing moments. Now, I have a lot of these. I have a lot of embarrassing moments. Uh, you can ask my wife. There's a lot of embarrassing moments. Um, 
But one was when I needed to ask for help. So this was several years ago. It makes me feel better to say it was several years ago because then it's like, oh, yeah, it was off in the past. But I was working out. I was in the uh, clubhouse. So in our neighborhood, we have a clubhouse that has a weight room. Uh, and for uh, folks that live in the neighborhood, you can use the clubhouse. You can work out. And so I was in the clubhouse. It was an afternoon. I was working out. And I was by myself except for an older woman who was on an elliptical machine. And this day I was going to work out bench. And so I got the weight on the, on the bar. It was my last set. I was going for uh, you know, a new record. Probably too much weight. I got under the bar, and as I unracked the bar, I knew immediately, as soon as I had that bar over me, I'm going to have to make a decision. And I started to have a conversation with myself, and an argument with myself. And myself was like, hey, you're going to have to ask her for help. (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to ask that older lady for help. I'm going to do this. And as the bar rested on my chest... I had no other option. I mean, it was, it was heavy enough. I wasn't going to be able to get out. Thankfully, it wasn't on my neck. It was on my chest. And I kind of whispered out, can you help me, please? <laughs> now, I think she saw this happening before I even asked for help. Because she, I mean, I, she was fast. She ran over, and she was able to give just enough help that we were able to get the bar off of me. I took the weights off the bar, and I left. And I don't think I've ever been back to the clubhouse to work out. We have... <laughs> We have a home gym now, and I work out there where no one will recognize me from that, that event years and years ago. And see, it's a humbling thing to ask for help. It's a humbling thing to request and to make a request. known. And I think that's, that's how God intends it. He, he wants us to be humbled. He, he loves when we are humble before him and we recognize that he is God. Many of us are too proud to ask God for something. Or maybe, like that story, you wait until it's something that you obviously know you can't handle, and you wait for that to ask God for help. I encourage you, don't wait for the cancer diagnosis to begin to ask God for help with your health. Don't wait until your marriage is on the rocks to begin to pray and ask God to bless your marriage and strengthen your marriage. Don't wait until your children have walked away from the Lord to begin to pray for them. Don't wait until you need 100% on the final to pass the class to begin to pray to do well in school. How about you? Do you ask God for things? Some of us here, we know what it's like to ask God for some of us. Maybe you've prayed and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've asked God to give you that one thing that you've always wanted, or take that one thing that you never wanted. But I'll just encourage you, I I know that it's hard, but I would encourage you to continue to ask, and to continue to pray, until God answers, knowing and trusting that he is a good father who loves his children, and loves to give good gifts. Don't cease praying, continue to pray, trusting That he is a good God and he will answer. And I believe his ultimate answer we can see in this third reason that we pray. So we're at A, B, C. C is delight. Let's look at our passage again. So verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. 
Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So again, letter C, we're writing delight. Look what, their, look what the hypocrites love. Look what their delight is. It's their love of people noticing them praying. That word hypocrite means actor. Uh, literally translated, it means pretender. So Jesus is saying the pretenders... The pretenders love, and what they love is being noticed and praised by others. And notice what Jesus says their reward is. He says what they want, what the pretenders want when they're praying, they don't really, they're not praying to God to have their prayers answered. They're praying in public to have people notice them praying and to receive praise from those people. And Jesus says that's what they want, and they're going to get what they want. They're not praying to have their prayers answered. They're praying to have praise from those people. And Jesus says they're going to receive that praise. They're going to receive their their reward. Their reward is that praise from people and nothing else. But Jesus says that's not to be our motive for praying. Our motive for praying is to be our love for the Lord. He is our Father. And we see here that we, we will also get what we want, what we love, and what we desire. We will get more of God. When we desire him, when we love him and we pray for that, he will give us more of himself. He is to be our delight. And prayer is not just transactional. It's not just asking for the things we want and getting those things. It's relational. So to answer that question that we asked at the beginning is, is prayer about growing in relationship with God or is it about getting the things that we want? The answer is yes. It's both. It's getting the things that we pray for and growing in relationship with God. Growing for him to be our love and our delight. There are a few crucial practices in the life of the Christian. And most of them we could classify as religious duties. And probably none quite as much as prayer. But we see here that that duty of prayer is actually supposed to be a delight. In their book on prayer titled... Uh, praying, finding our way through duty to delight, J.I. authors J.I. Packer and Carolyn Nystrom talk about this very same thing. I want to read you a quote from this. They're talking about the duty of setting aside intentional time with God, and here's what they say. In that sense, our praying should be a regular routine, like eating meals. Good routine praying is not mechanical, a mere parroting of prayers, but is similar to the way that wise couples who live busy lives plan the time of day when they are going to talk about how the day has gone and just enjoy being together. Many who pray meaningful, meaningfully have found it a wonderful help to schedule times with God and to plan in advance how they are going to use that time. It is like scheduling an afternoon where husband and wife will go for a walk together, where nobody else will interfere, since there's a lot of stuff that they need to go over together and much they have to do for refreshing their relationship to each other. There is endless benefit to be gained from a regularly scheduled appointment for your time alone with your Lord and from planning ahead some of the ground that you will cover when you are alone together. Married couples who plan such times of togetherness thus avoid the widespread trap for busy couples of living alongside of each other and never talking in depth because they simply don't have time. For them, what started as love becomes a teeth-cleaning kind of relationship. Not good. 
And a person who plans prayer times with eager forethought will think and perhaps say, I don't want to break my appointments with God, for he certainly won't break his with me. I want to grow in grace, and my daily prayer time is essential for that. Exactly. Christians are covenant partners with God who will faithfully keep his covenant with us at all times. So on the basis of the mutual covenant commitment, our friendship with God should grow deeper through having regular times set apart for meeting with him in prayer. So we live in a time where feelings rule our actions. There are many of you young people who struggle with coming to youth group or church because you don't want to. There are those here who didn't sing a few minutes ago because you didn't feel like it. There were some watching from home today because they didn't feel like coming to church. And it seems like a holy, pious thing to do. You don't want to lie and be disingenuous. So you pretend, or sorry, so you don't pretend to want to sing. And you don't want to pretend to be joyful. So you don't. Many of us do the same when it comes to prayer. We don't feel like praying. And so we, we don't. We don't want to pretend. And, and so we don't pray. Well, I would encourage you today to a better solution, to a solution we see all over the Psalms, we see actually all over the Bible, and that solution is to pray to want to pray. Pray for the desire. Pray to love God. Often the way to delight is through duty. I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it so clearly in others. I mean, one person in the church that comes to mind is Bob Hughes. Right, he does a great job of this. There's been multiple occasions where I've, I've been with Bob and audibly he thanks God. Even after we prayed and given thanks for the food, he thanks God for the delicious brisket. Or the cold drink. Or on the hot summer here in Texas, thanks God for the AC. Or a soft pillow or a chair, etc. And this has challenged me and encouraged me. And now I, I find myself doing it too. When I receive a purchase order from a customer, I audibly thank God. I thank him when my turtle tank stays clean longer than expected. I thank him for the sun. I thank him for the brisket when it's delicious, for the charred cauliflower, for a gentle breeze, for my beautiful wife and kids, for, for a great cup of coffee, for the joys of karaoke, for the show The Chosen. And most of all, for seeking me, for finding me, when I was far off, when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, he pursued me, and he found me, and he called me, and he gave life to my dead heart, and he canceled my record of debt that I owed, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and called me a friend and a child. Jesus says that the pretenders receive their reward, and friends, when the Father is our delight, and we pray, we can have confidence that he will, and ultimately one day, we will ultimately receive our love and our delight because we will be with him forever. And when we pray like this, even if it starts off as duty, with the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll take us from that duty to delight.
That's point number one. Motive, duty, desires, delight. The next two will go much, much faster. So number two, the blank there is model. Model. So Matthew 6, 5 through 13 gives us the model prayer. You can also, like I said earlier, find it in Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. We won't spend a long time here other than to read through it, make a couple comments. Um, first reason is because of time. Second reason is because less than a year ago, Craig did a fantastic job preaching through uh, this, the Lord's Prayer. And so I would just encourage you to go back and listen to those messages. Uh, it's going to be way better than me spending a long time going through uh, this here. So I encourage you to do that. But let's read through it just real quick. What does Jesus say? What's the model? He says, well, verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Been in those prayer meetings, right? Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the footnote there, and if the other parallel passage says, for, for yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's point two. That's your model prayer right there. And again, go back and listen to Craig's messages for more information on the Lord's Prayer. More than we can cover here today. But Jesus gives us that model. Because people were asking him, what? how do we pray? Jesus, teach us to pray. So we have motive, model, and then the last one is the miracle. See, the miracle of prayer is that God hears us. I think this is why Jesus' disciples are curious about how to pray. Jesus has been doing miracles, and they've seen his prayers answered, and they want to know how to pray. And one famous miracle is here, uh, not here, but in, in the Bible is in Luke 9, Verses 12 through 17. And that miracle is the feeding of the 5,000. And I'll give you just a little synopsis of it. But there were large crowds. Because Jesus had been doing miracles, there were large crowds coming to to hear Jesus, to hear him teach. Uh, And there were large crowds were gathered and they were listening to Jesus and he had been teaching all day. Right, many of us today, you're already, if you're like me, you're feeling the, the hunger of like, man, it's getting close to lunchtime. Hope Aaron doesn't teach all day. Don't worry. We're, we're closing soon. But Jesus had been teaching all day, and people were getting hungry. And the disciples, being practical men, looked around, and they're like, man, we got we to gotta send these folks home to get something to eat. There's a lot of people here. Those people look hungry. They're low blood sugar. That one person just passed out. Okay, that's... Just me just thinking. But maybe, maybe. So they're, they're saying, Jesus, we need to send them home to go get food. And Jesus, being Jesus, says, you give them something to eat. We don't have enough food. There's, the number in the passage says there's 5,000 men, including women and children. So there, there are thousands of people here. But the disciples gather what they have and they bring it to Jesus. And it's five loaves and two fish. You've heard the story probably, right? There's five loaves, yes, kids. There's five loaves and two fish. And now we see Jesus takes what the disciples bring him. He takes those five loaves and two fish. And what does he do? 
yeah, he breaks it up. And he, but what does he do first with the fish and the loaves? In every single uh, passage where this is found in the Gospels, Jesus takes the loaves and the fish and he looks up to heaven and he prays. And then he breaks them and we know the rest of the story. He miraculously feeds 5,000 men, including women and children, and there are 12 basketfuls uh, of fish, of broken pieces uh, left over. And we see God answers Jesus' prayer, but the real miracle is that he hears and answers us in Jesus' name. You and I don't deserve God to answer our prayers. We deserve God's just punishment for our sin. But that's not what we get. If you're trusting in Jesus today, if you're trusting that his perfect life counts for your perfect life, if you're trusting that his death counts for your death, if you're trusting in him alone for your right standing before God, the Bible says that God, through the Holy Spirit, hears your prayers. And he will answer. It's huge. It's a huge miracle that Jesus could take these five loaves and two fish and feed thousands of people. But it is a far greater miracle that he took my dead heart and made me alive to him. And that he's taking my desires and he's making them more and more into alignment with his will. And he does the same and offers the same for us. So, kids, as a reminder of the miracle of prayer... And as a reminder of the message, we have bags of fish uh, that we'll hand out after. So the, the sheets that you have, where did it go? Well, I had a sheet. That sheet, if you fill it out after the announcements, uh, I'll be over here with some of the pastors and we will hand out Swedish fish to all the kids. Yeah, to all the kids that have their sheet filled out. And for second service, we weren't able to do this for first, but it's high school and below. So you get to be a kid today, high schoolers, adults. Sorry, you get to maybe ask your kids for, you can teach them about taxes if you want. We do that sometimes in our family. Teach them about taxes. And you can decide if you want to be in a more conservative or a liberal state when you teach them those taxes as well. Here in Texas, there's no uh, state income tax, so you probably have to be a different state. But, uh, but what I want to do also is talk about application. So that, don't forget that, kids. That's, that's for you. But I want to talk about three quick points, and then we'll close. Three quick points of application. First of all, when we see this, when we see this uh, miracle of prayer, when we see praying, we have to be reminded of what I just said earlier, that this is for God's children. The promise of answered prayer, the promise of God hearing and answering prayer is for his children. So the first point of application is for you to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. If you haven't done that, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that you would not leave here today without that. Talk to one of the pastors afterwards. Don't talk to a friend maybe that brought you today. Don't leave here without putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Your, your, your prayers are, are just words. If you're not a Christian, he doesn't promise to hear an answer but for his children, he is a father, a good father who gives good gifts to his children who ask. So put your faith and trust in Jesus. Point number two of application is to pray. And I would encourage you, pray and record your prayers. In a prayer journal, there are so many prayer apps that are out there where you can record your prayers. You could get an old-fashioned notebook and just write it on pen and paper. You could type it. But pray and keep a record of those prayers. Because I think the third point of application 
is praise. I think we look back and we, we see the prayers and how they've been answered. So you kept that record of prayer. Now you go back and you write how God has answered that prayer and then use that as an opportunity to praise him for those answered prayers. And one note on that. I don't know if you experience this, but this happens to me a lot. I'll pray for something and God will answer it and I'll just kind of write it off as a coincidence. I'm sure it never happens to you. Think about, for example, the Jews, right? They prayed for years and years for the Messiah to come. And there are many Jews still praying today for the Messiah to come because they missed the answered prayer to their prayer in Jesus. George Mueller is a great example of someone who prayed for needs to be met. And there was a milk truck, uh, the story of a milk truck that just broke down right in front of the orphanage where he was caring for the kids. He'd been praying for food. Like, hey, you know, this milk's going to spoil You guys got any use for milk, right? Something that could be easily seen as a coincidence, but it's not as an answer to prayer. I was talking to somebody after the first service. They're closing on a house. They didn't have the 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 uh, you know amount of money that the house was listed for. They put an offer in for less than that. They got it because the house had just been struck by lightning, uh, like while that whole process was going on, and so. You know, they they got a new roof, they got a new air conditioning, they got a new pool pump, all kinds of new stuff in the house, just like that, because God struck the house with lightning. How awesome is that? It's a strange coincidence. Just kidding. So don't explain it away. Write it down, write your prayer down, write the answer to the prayer, and use it as a time to praise God. So we have motive. We have motive to pray as our duty desires, having those desires met, those things that we're asking for, but ultimately he is to be our delight, we pray, because God is our delight. We have the model for prayer here in the Lord's Prayer, and the miracle is that he hears and will hear. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.